This episode is brought to you by the ultimate in men's grooming, Pete and Pedro. With shampoos for any hair type, conditioner to keep your hair healthy and strong, and five signature body washes, it's time to step up your shower game. They also have colognes that smell amazing, styling aids like clays and putties, and their signature sea salt spray that provides incredible volume and texture with a light hold. Not to mention a full shave line complete with safety razors, shave brushes, shaving cream, and post-shave balm. They're also the number one spot to take your beard game to the next level. Personally, I have been using the Hair Putty and the Natural Sea Salt Spray, something you can put in your hair wet or dry. Gives it a uh, nice natural volume look. If you'd like to take advantage of the offer they hooked us up with today, you can do so by using the code AUTHENTIC15 to get 15% off your entire order. That's A-U-T-H-E-N-T-I-C-15 to get 15% off of your entire order. You can do so by going to www.peteandpedro.com. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the Authentic Podcast with Justin Doulard. And thank you for tuning in to another episode. It's time! All right, ladies and gentlemen, we are back with another episode of the Authentic Podcast with Justin Dulard, and I believe this is my biggest guest to date. Uh, this man needs little to no introduction, the face of the octagon for 25 years and running. He is on my introduction, Mr. Bruce Buffer. Thanks, Justin. How are you? It's a pleasure to be on, doing some work for you. Now on with you. It's all good. Bruce, I'm doing incredible, and I cannot thank you enough for coming on. And uh, I did want to say a huge thank you to you both and Kristen, your business partner. Um, She really is, uh, you know, back from when we got the introduction from you and then uh, just communicating with this. She's amazing. So tell her thank you for me. So I certainly will. She takes great pride in what she does, and she just loves seeing everybody happy. I have have the greatest partner in the world. How how did you guys become partners? You guys long, long friends or – uh, very long friends. Matter of fact, in my book, it outlines it in my It's Time book. But quite frankly, Kristen was my girlfriend some 25, 26 years ago. And okay. um, we had a wonderful relationship and I just wasn't ready to be, you know, married and uh, still, you know, living my lifestyle. And I, I um, uh, basically we stayed great friends and because uh, she's an amazing person. I love her to death. And so when we stayed friends, she came to work for me and we've worked side by side. Um, she's run Fortune 500 like production companies and stuff. She's very adept at what she does. And uh, she was working for Barry Diller, who's the head of Fox. He created Fox and everything. And um, that was kind of a crazy position. So I hired her away from him for Michael and I. And she's worked side by side with me now for 23 years in my home offices here at the beach. And um, I'm godfather to her children. She's my sister now. We're just we're one big family. It's amazing. It Very really nice. is awesome. And I couldn't trust and put my hands and my life in my hands and my business life in the hands of anybody better than her. She's amazing. She's my right arm. If there's a term right arm, she's a perfect example of my right arm. Yeah, you can tell she does a phenomenal job. So thank you, Kristen. Uh, so first things, you know, you wrapped up two, 261, fans are back. So yeah, fir- yeah. first full card uh, with fans in over a year and a half or close, a little over a year. So how was that for you? 
It was amazing. You know, I, whenever I'm in the octagon, I'll always bring the heat. It doesn't matter if there's 50 people in the audience or 50,000 people. Because to me, every night I walk out is my first night. I have to prove I deserve this job to Dana White, the powers that be, the, the fans, you, and especially the fighters and myself. And um, so I go out there like a kid in a candy store, whether there's no people or anybody. But when I walked out, um, just to go into the arena, and there was maybe four or 5,000 people there before the show started, give or take. And they went crazy. Like when I walk out in Brazil, it's like, oh, my God, this is unbelievable. So I went in the octagon and pumped him up a little bit, bowed to him, threw kisses to everybody. And <laughs> said, which basically like, get ready. This is going to be a hell of a night. And they went ballistic. And that ballistic uh, energy to carry through the entire evening. When I first walked out of what We Are Live, I joked, but I wasn't getting hit by a fly. It was more like, this is unbelievable. You know, I, so I've been over a year. It was like my first kiss. You know, it was amazing. <laughs> yeah, watching it. Uh, well, one, it was an amazing card. And two, watching it, I, it, it truly felt like I was watching an old fight on YouTube because there were so many fans. It, it just didn't seem real to see a packed house. Uh, you know, it was kind of hard to get used to again. So after all these fights at the Apex with, you know, 20 people in the crowd. So. Yeah, yeah, exactly, exactly. But, you know, it is what it is. Now we got a big show May 15th. Uh, Obviously, Conor McGregor, July 10th. I mean, it's all starting to creep back. It's a little different being around all those people. I'm very COVID conscious. Um, when I apologize to the fans that I didn't take pictures with that asked or it's just the way it is, you know? There's, yeah, I can uh, tell. I can tell that because, uh, you know, you're doing all the things you need to do, obviously, without the mask. But then as soon as you're done, I instantly see you slip the mask up and just following protocol. And uh, I've, had, I've had too many people. My gardener died of it. Other people I know have gotten seriously ill and not recovered, uh, died. So um, I take this very seriously. Anybody that wants to shame me for wearing a mask, that's all I want to say. I want to say what I want to say. <laughs> yeah. No, I can, I can tell that, that you know, obviously you're, you're incredibly fit um, and Thank it's you. probably not a huge concern to you, but you have a lot of respect for others and, and the fact that it's still something very serious. So I have a 92-year-old mother who got COVID and survived it. You oh, know? wow. Um, she's, a, she's a warrior. Uh, and, um, but again, I know people that didn't. And I'm not about to give it to my mother who can still get it again, you know? Absolutely. So it's where we're at. It's just, you know, I want to be part of the solution, not part of the problem. And we'll leave it at that. I, want, I don't want to get too political. I just yeah, absolutely. Understand. I agree. I can't uh, understand why some people don't get it. But then again, I'll never get why they don't get it. So it's okay. It's okay. No, I absolutely agree. Uh, of course, I got a lot of questions for you. You could talk all day and pick your brain. But my biggest question for you is this. You grew up in Philly. Then you moved to California. Where in your life, how did you get to Oklahoma? You were born in Tulsa, is that correct? Yeah, well, that was a drop-off. I mean, my dad told me that I was conceived in Vegas. Oh, yeah, okay. Me and my mom were, you know, doing Vegas all through the, when the mob ran the town. And I, I was playing blackjack with my dad at 18. He was a boss gambler at the Riviera Hotel where they filmed Casino and all these great movies in the past. And um, I had the experience of being there when the so-called certain people owned certain things in Vegas, let's say. And it was just... <laughs> It was an incredible time, incredible time. And I grew up like that. And so anyway, uh, my dad ran Fortune 500 companies. And at the time he was living in Tulsa, Oklahoma. When it came time for me to be dropped off, I popped out in Oklahoma, right? Nine months later, we moved to Dallas. I uh, lived there for two years, went to Philly uh, for about another five, back to Dallas for two, back to Philly till I was like 15, where I moved to Malibu. And um Philadelphia is my hometown. All my relatives are there. I learned how to fight in Philly. Learned how to fight. I learned how to fight in Texas too at a young kid. Um, and then, but in Philly, I learned how to fight a little more. But when I got to Malibu, 
in that you might think, oh, everybody's rich, everybody's whatever. We weren't rich. We were middle class, and we lived in uh, a canyon called Trancas Canyon. All the rich people lived at the beach, and Steve McQueen, the actor, was what, a good friend for the last six years of his life, and made, you know, Charlie Sheen and Rob Lowe and the Penn brothers all lived up Point Doom miles away, and it was a great existence, but it was a tough existence because as a surfer, we, we brawled all the time, and I started training with Chuck Norris's fighting partners out there in Tongsudo, which was his style, the Korean style, and I went on to other styles, but mainly got into kickboxing for like 12 years, which was my major love. And I, I got a second degree black belt in Tongsudo. I loved, you know, fighting. I, I competed in the internationals one time, but uh, I wanted to fight for real because I had a lot of real fighting experiences and I wanted to get in there and knock the guy out or get knocked out, whatever the case might be. So I just, I fell in love with kickboxing. That was my thing. Yeah, absolutely. Well, I don't know if you claim Oklahoma or not, but I think we're going to go ahead and claim you just so you know. But That's uh, okay. No, listen, I'm born in Oklahoma. I'm an Okie. It's just, there's no way to get around it. You know, it's all good. It's yeah, all that's good. awesome. I love it. I'm, I'm very proud of it. You can't I, say it in Texas too much, but I'm very proud of it. <laughs> oh, yeah, absolutely. Big rivalry. So <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> uh, <clears throat> I have to ask, you've been the face of the octagon for 25 years and you're, you'll never be replaced. You're truly irreplaceable. Oh, thank you. Thank you. Appreciate it. But one day you're going to have to step aside. My question sure. to you is, how do you find the next person to fill your shoes? Not my job. Not my concern. True. Good answer. I go in and do my thing. And uh, just like when I started and I asked my brother, Michael, any advice? And he said, the best advice I can give you is look at yourself on video. Otherwise, there was no advice, right? <laughs> it's trial and error. And uh, I've been used to speaking in front of people. And Obviously, I look back on the old days and kind of like, nah, 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 you know, <laughs> when I hear myself, um, it's an evolutionary process. And with that being said, I, with all respect to other announcers who do write me and I give them advice, you know, many times and uh, they've always been copying Michael, you know, who is the legendary greatest announcer of all time, changed it. I developed my own style, never wanted to be Frank Sinatra Jr. And I wanted to take the time to do that. Um, so when somebody else comes along, yes, when I lose my passion for what I'm doing, I'm going to retire. You'll hear me say it, but my passion's strong and I don't plan on it for 10 or more years. Uh, but yeah, there's always going to be somebody else. All I want people to know is when I leave is just realize that I always gave it my all. I always gave my all, love me or leave me, you know, like me or hate me, whatever. Um, I'm there to perform and give everything I can. The show is not about me. It's about the fighters and it's about the fans. And I'm there to serve the fighters, the fans, and the people I work for, Dana and the powers that be. So I'm very humble about the whole thing. Somebody comes along, they'll develop a style. I'll be hopefully remembered for my style and life goes on. It's the way it is. But I don't know if anybody's ever going to come in that has the passion that I have for what I do. Now you can absolutely tell, um, especially after your uh, when they after your 25th year anniversary when they got you on the post fight press conference. I thought that was oh, really wow. neat. I enjoyed that. So, yeah, that was so much fun. I I never got asked, but I was leaving the arena and they, they, the the media was asking to speak to me, and it was just it was very cool, very cool. The UFC has been very good to me during this 25 year period. They put out a couple of cool things on Fight Pass, and yeah. all good, all good. I love I love what I do, man. I wake up every day and kiss the ground that I'm can say I'm the voice of the octagon. Yeah, no, I, I really think it would be neat. And uh, I'd like to see, you know, talk to the media more or, or some of those things. I know that was a big occasion, but a uh, great interview. Um, and you can Thank tell you. you're truly passionate and humble. So, Oh, I appreciate that. I could, years. I could go on after every show and talk about the show. But, you know, again, it's about the fighters. It's not about me. If they ask for me, great, I'll be there. Well, yeah, but you're a big piece of that, too. I mean, you, you, you got to be I, one. I, I'm just very humble about the whole thing. I, I've never lost this. It's, it's the way I always am. It's just the way I am. You, you can truly tell. Yeah. Um, in your early years, so obviously your patented phrase is it's time. Back, you know, maybe 20 years ago, 15 years ago, even before, did you have any phrases that you kind of weeded out when you were trying to find your niche in your, in your, you know, your phrase? 
No, because uh, quite frankly, when I started, I everybody wanted to copy Michael. Let's get this. Let's do this. Let's whatever. And you know, I'm the sheriff behind. I'm the man behind the man behind the rumble. I'm Michael's manager for 30 years. I mm-hmm. trademarked that phrase, and together we did all the business we did. So I've had to protect it and deal with that. I was never interested in being phrase driven. If you notice the first period of time, I would say at the top of the show, it's time to begin the ultimate fighting championship, you know, but that wasn't really a phrase. That was just my way of starting the show. And then Dane and I met, uh, met after he brought the show and he wanted me to delete that out of my opening. And I thought, okay, well, you know what? Every day I wake up and I shave, I always go, it's time, which is my way of telling myself, it's time to have the best day I can have today to be better than I was yesterday. Because truly in life, I'm only as good as I am today. That's the way, that's the way I am. You'll never hear me talk about a past show. I did the 360 at 100. I did it. No, I did it done and done and done. What I do in uh, May 5th, or excuse me, May uh, 8th, when I get back in the octagon, I'm as good as that day. Right now, I'm as good as I was last Saturday. That's it, right? So phrase driven is not what I say, it's how I say it. That's what I like to say. It's how I say it. I put every ounce of passion, lung power and everything, modulate as best I can from the style I've developed. And then all of a sudden, the phrase took off probably about I would say like eight years after I started being an announcer. I don't really know exactly when, but uh, it wasn't in the beginning. So I did not think of anything. I didn't want to be, as I said it again, I didn't want to be Frank Sinatra Jr. Okay. I wanted to be Bruce Buffer. That's what I was striving for. I told myself if I didn't do that in the first three years, I was going to quit. I was going to give it up. I got plenty of other things to do. I don't want to be a guy copycatting another guy just to get a seat and a check. Oh yeah. You got your hands in a lot of things and that's uh, kind of leads into the next topic I was going to talk about. Uh, the bourbon you just released, Puncher's yeah. Chance Bourbon. So let's take a look at it behind you and see. So how how did that go? Well, Puncher's Chance is the highest rated, fastest selling new bourbon in America. We got a ninety five percent taste rating. We just won an award. Um, I developed it with my partners. Puncher's Chance is what I've been about all my life. I've been an underdog my whole life. Uh, even when I sold two companies to take over Michael's management, you know, making a lot of money, Beach House having the two and a half men life O'Reilly style back then, <laughs> minus the alcoholism. Um, and uh, I had all this happening, but I was burned out on what I was doing. And when I saw Michael, I realized that he needed to trademark this phrase. And I, w- I wanted to make his career huge and put him in every form of sports and entertainment. And I met with him and said, I want to make you richer and more famous than you ever dreamed, hopefully myself in the process. And this is a real long story cut short. And he's like, how are you going to do that? As well as my family said, how are you going to do that? Why are you going to give all that up? And I said, I don't know how, I don't know how I'm going to do it. But if I'm going to give all this up, you better believe I am going to do it, right? So I rolled the dice. And like, like Tom Cruise said in Risky Business, you know, sometimes you're going to say, what the F? And go for it, right? Puncher's Chance. One, one punch can change your life. That is a true example of Puncher's Chance. I think of the fighters that walk in the octagon, whether it's a Justin Gaethje or whether it's, you know, Conor McGregor or whatever. I mean, everybody has a Puncher's Chance in life. And this is the smoothest nectar of the bourbon gods. I'm so proud of this. And... It, the ratings are through the roof. The sales are, the average distributor moves 3,800 cases in the first year. We moved 10,000 in the first three months. Oh, wow. And we're on target for about 35,000 cases this year, which is really pushing the company very well. So I'm very proud of it. I see Conor McGregor just sold his company uh, for $600 million today to uh, Promixo. And uh, all these companies are looking at us too, but I'm, we're not selling. We're you going to hold out for a little bit? It's your baby? Uh, well, yeah, we're working. We're working. 
Well, as an appreciation to you coming on the show to promote it, and then as an appreciation to uh, my good friend Thomas McKinney, who owns Rum Runners Liquor, uh, we're going to do a giveaway. We're going to give away a bottle. And ironically, I was talking to him uh, Monday, and he just got it on the shelf today, no lie. Awesome. So we can't actually give the bottle away itself, but we're going to do a gift certificate in hopes that they'll buy the bottle and then promote that. So, Oh, that's awesome. That's fantastic. Very cool. Thank you so much. It's very cool. Yeah, no problem. I'll get you those pictures and all that. But uh, yeah, I wanted to say thank you for coming on. And then thank you to Thomas for always supporting the podcast. And we're going to give away a bottle of uh, Punch's Chance. So, Oh, that's awesome. Thanks so much, man. That's great. I really appreciate that. Yep, Very absolutely. Cool. No, thank you. So um wanted to ask about your fight cards. Uh, I bought my brother one as a gift for his birthday one oh. day. I wanted to ask, so this is probably something you do because uh, you're just accustomed to it and kind of got used to it, but you write all over the cards that, you know, you scratch them out and then you write big, bold letters. Is that just something you adapted? And because you could clearly ask the UFC to make things bigger and finer print, but you've got everything circled and you, you know, the records are highlighted in red. And can you kind of explain how you kind of developed that card? Yeah, well, first off, I don't want the UFC making my cards. When I first worked, they gave me cards, a little three, not even three by fives, or they were three by fives, and uh, it's fine. All. I Again, my own style, right? So I, I have a template for my card that I make. I spend about two, three hours putting the cards together. Then when I get to the show, I get the weights and all the final stats, and then I have to make sure everything is correct. And at that time, I start color coding the cards. Because if you notice, I rarely look at the cards when I'm announcing. I've got the information in my head. But when I do need to, I can read that card no matter what, where it's at, upside down, whatever. And the color coding is just because I know exactly where I'm at on the card when I glance at it. So I also noticed, too, that it became kind of like artwork. And I kind of take a lot of pride in, in my cards. And I save them all. I've got them all in storage. I've only sold maybe 21 sets or so or put them up for auction for charity or whatever. And uh, inscriptographs.com has a lot for sale there. But um, and I get proceeds to charity, military, animal, and children's charities. So, you know, it's it's uh, it's I take great pride in my cars because you know I'm a big collector of vintage memorabilia like sports cars, movie uh, posters. I can see it in the back there. So yeah, that's the original Doctor No poster for James Bond. Yeah, there. Very nice. Um, there's a big. It's a big investment uh, area of my life, and I know how to create a a market, shall we say. So over the years, there's a big investment area for UFC collectibles, whether it's the original tops cards or whatever. And I'm, I'm keeping up with all that. I've got, you know, storage stock full of cards and those are collectibles. They're one of a kind collectibles. And the most it's ever sold for the Amanda Nunes, uh, Ronda Rousey or Amanda, yeah, Amanda Nunes, Ronda Rousey card, was it? I think it sold for like $4,200. No, Cyborg card, Cyborg and Amanda Nunes sold for $4,200. Wow. <laughs> Crazy crazy uh i've listened to a couple of your episodes uh on your show then i listened to the one most recently on hot boxing with tyson and uh one thing i wanted to kind of commend you for and then talk about is um you know the, the, the debate of the greatest of all time right that's always everyone's favorite question but yeah uh not necessarily asking you who is your greatest of all time but wanted to just say i really enjoy that you uh you mentioned to be the, considered the greatest it's not just about your record it's about kind of who you are as a person and what you do outside of the octagon as well. So I right. thought that was really neat because that's not a, not a topic a lot of people uh, look at. Well, you know, fighting ability is fighting ability and you're recognized for your record and everything else. But like you said, to me, it's a full package, right? Randy Couture is one of the greatest of all time in and out of the octagon. I have a hard time saying that they are the greatest. I think there's a number of goats, right? 
that stand on their own. Obviously, Habib is going to stand above because he retired undefeated, right? Who else is undefeated in the octagon? I never thought there would be a fighter that would retire undefeated. And if Habib continued, maybe a faster gun would come along and take that O away from him. But quite frankly, the way he was rolling, I don't know if Khabib would ever be defeated. Yeah. He's a monster, you know, a total monster. Yeah, I think and, and a great guy, and a great guy. I really like Habib a lot. Oh, yeah, absolutely. No, that was uh, something that a lot of people say is, uh, you know, the longer you go, you're eventually going to find somebody who's going to catch you. Like I said, puncher's chance, you know, it, it's going to happen eventually. So There's always a faster gun. There's always a tougher guy and there's always an off night. Yeah, I thought I thought that was neat too on, on your show. Uh, I can't remember if it was yours or Mike's, but he talked about, uh, you know, he thinks that boxers just get better every every single year and every single decade, you know. Yeah, that was, uh, that was actually on my show, you know, because mm -hmm. we were talking about the 50s and the 40s when there were nine divisions of boxing versus 50 plus and the best fought the best. And sometimes as we said on the show, like Sugar Ray Robinson, Jake LaMotta, they fought each other twice in four weeks. Yeah. It's insane. Hello. Four <laughs> weeks, 15 round boxing. Come on. A different breed, but he's right. Bigger, stronger, faster. You know, um, I know our time is, uh, is close. So I was going to ask you a couple rapid fire go, questions. Ask, ask, and, your, uh, ask your questions. Ask your questions. I appreciate it, Justin. It's okay. Yeah. I just got to get prepared for my podcast, but go ahead. No, absolutely. Who do you have on? Uh, I'm going to have John Anik on today. Uh, I was going to have Chris Weidman, but he just texted me that he's still recovering and oh, going to send him a bottle of Puncher's Chance to enjoy his recovery because he likes bourbon. Um, I'll have, I'll have Chris on in the next couple of weeks, but Anik and I are going to break down 261 and go over some other stuff. Good deal. I'll be looking forward to the one with Weidman. I was just mind blown at that injury and the, especially the fact that it happened against him, uh, yeah. you know, eight years ago. What are the odds of that? I, I was devastated when I Ugh. saw that. I don't know if the camera caught my reaction, but I was just like, oh my God. Just I don't want to see fighters get hurt. I don't want to see fighters, God forbid, ever get really hurt on my shift. No. Much less any shift. I just, we're there to compete, not to get hurt, but it's one of those freakish things. Yeah. You know, you plant that knee right, it's going to break something. Yeah, absolutely. Um, okay. Obviously you've done it for 25 years. You've seen some of the best matchups ever all front row live. Give me two or three of your classic matchups that you'll never forget. Well, obviously Griffin and Bonner, you know, the finale, uh, the tough finale for the first season is unbelievable. Uh, you get back to some of those old fights between Randy Couture and, and, uh, Vitor Belfort, you know, some of these wars or Pedro Hizzo, you know, I mean, you look back at some of those wars, they were unbelievable. Right. And then you get down to the fights just in the last year. I mean, the, the Weili Zhang, mm -hmm. uh, you know, Joanna and Jacek fight. I mean, come on. It's just not, not just because the way Joanna came out of it, but just the way it happened during it. It's just, yeah. I say in the last year, every time I think I see the greatest fight or one of the greatest fights, it's like a week later, a month later, whatever, we see another. This is the entertainment value the UFC brings. It's why I'm glued to the show from beginning to end. It's Saturday night, those first two fights on the prelims on Fight Pass or wherever they were being shown, and one got the bonus. They were amazing, you know? It's so hard not to... It's so hard not to think or recollect on the old fights. When, like you said, when every single month or every single quarter, just new matches are coming that are just so phenomenal. Like you said, the, yeah. the Whaley and, uh, and Yoana fight was just incredible. Right. I know. I don't know what to say. Um, this was a big one for me. Give me a dream matchup of yours, and that could be a hybrid of anything. That could be old fighters that never fought. That could be current fighters. Or there's like a lot of talks right now about how Kamara Usman is on the pursuit of GSP and, and may surpass him. So you could take those two like hypothetically, excuse me, hypothetically if they were in their prime. Dream matchup, old fighter, new fighter, actives, doesn't matter. Something we never got to see or well, we may never see. 
I, I would love to see GSP and Conor McGregor go at it. That would be a very exciting fight. Um, I always wanted to see GSP and Anderson Silver in their prime mm-hmm. go at it. That was that was one of my most wanted fights, most definitely. Um, I could put so many of these things together. There's so many different ones, you know. Uh, Chuck Liddell and John Jones in prime. I would love to see that. You know, the striker versus the one of the goats of all time, right? Um, there's many, many matchups. You know, like today in boxing, you know, they're making all these matchups. Logan Paul and Mayweather just got announced for yeah. June 6th. And Logan just texted me last night about it. And, um, you know, he's real excited. It's, there's different things happening. But it's all that stuff is more like celebrity boxing back 15 or so years ago when they had the celebrity boxing and the true big numbers. You can always create these things. They're exhibitions. But getting back to what your question is, you know, I could rattle off 10 of them right now, but yeah. the ones I just said, I think Anderson Silva and, and GSP would just be amazing in, in a prime. I would just love to see them go at it. What do you, uh, so what do you tell Logan Paul when he's going to fight one of the, probably the greatest boxer ever? What, what do you say to that? Good well, luck. you know, we're friends and uh, he's actually very, very cool. I can't say much about his brother, but he, I can say about Logan. He's very, very cool. <laughs> he seems uh, cool. He is. He is. Uh, you know, for a young kid making the kind of money he makes and what he's doing, you know, we all make some little mistakes as kids and you, you get mm-hmm. redemption and go through them. I just told him, I said, go for it, work hard, go for it and make it, you know, meaning make the money, make the money, money's there, make it. But, you know, it's an amazing thing. You have the greatest spot, one of the greatest boxers, not the greatest boxer at his weight of all time, uh, facing a guy who's, I guess, 0 2 or whatever in boxing. Uh, very exciting fights. I, I loved watching him fight. It's an exhibition, you know. I mean, Mayweather's going in against a guy that's got 40 or more pounds on him. It'll be fun to watch. And anybody that says, I won't earn that, I won't watch it, I want this, I want that, it's a disgrace. You know what? You're all going to watch it. <laughs> you don't, don't, don't give me that crap. You're all going to watch it. If you're not going to watch it, you're going to watch the repeat, whatever. You know you want to watch it. Okay? Yeah. Be real. I have to actually put myself in that bucket when Askren versus his brother came out because I was like, this is garbage. I'm not doing it. And then the, up to two weeks to the fight, I was like, I'm in. I'm ready. Of course. I'm of ready. course. Of course. Of course. Askren, you know – not the greatest striker, definitely great mixed martial artist. Um, you know, like DC, pick pick a better. Not nothing, no nothing against Ben. Nothing, I love Ben, but you know, if a boxer's going to box and picks a pick a good striker. There's not a lot of boxers and in, in UFC fighters. There's not a lot of guys that can hang with boxers. It's a different sport. Marcus of Queensbury, two two weapons versus over forty. So you have a great guy like Ben Askren who will tie uh, Jake Paul up in a donut or whatever in a pretzel within one minute and win that fight. But in a boxing, it's different, you know. And it was just it was a matter of you know, that was just all about who was going to land the punch. Yeah, absolutely. And we, when we saw what happened, you know. Yeah. Well, Bruce, I truly enjoyed this, and I really, really appreciate your time. Uh, once I get those pictures of, of the guys at Rim Runners with the puncher's chance, I'll get that over to you. And uh, why don't you tell everyone where they can find you, kind of what you're working on with your bourbon, and then uh, you know, sure. get, let you go. I appreciate it. Um, well, you can find me at brucebuffer.com. You can go there to order. I have a special offer with proceeds going into animal, military, and children charities, partial proceeds for championship introductions, like I'm introducing you in the cage as a champion, video, audio. Get tons of orders. I'm busy as heck doing all those. And I love it. The, the thank you notes we get, Chris and my partner and I bring tears to our eyes sometimes, especially the weddings we do, the birth of babies. And I do businesses there too. And of course, I'm on Cameo. You know, Cameo Absolutely. keeps me very busy. So I'm always happy to do that, all those things for you. Um, Puncher's Chance, if your local uh, liquor store or retailer doesn't carry it, ask the manager to bring it in. We're in about 15 states now, but like you did with your guy there, they will bring it in. Um, 
And then I'm also have big surprise. I'm going to be coming out uh, in the next two months with uh, my It's Time cologne and also toiletry line, body wash, face wash. I've always taken care of myself my whole life. I figure if girls take care of themselves for us, we need to take care of ourselves for them, much less ourselves. So it's very important to, you know, manscapes out there. Everybody's, it's all about grooming now. So my whole toiletry line, my cologne's coming out and I have a full, and that's around the world. And I have a full line of energy products. I have the most natural most incredible formula of energy product without the crap in it that people put in it that will give you that big boost you want in a natural, healthy way. And that's the It's Time Energy line that will be out in about four months all over the world. So I'm working on some very big projects right now. Yeah, I'm very, I'm very it, excited about it. Very excited about it. Yeah, you're not slowing down at all, man. It's impressive. I don't slow down. I'm a shark, man. I got to keep swimming. <laughs> I know, I can tell. Uh, I do I do what I'm passionate about. That's the thing. I hope. I wish everybody, your listeners, and thank you for those tuning in and listening, but the biggest thing I can tell your listeners is decide what you're passionate about in life, right? And go for it, whether it's a, a hobby or whatever. But if it's a potential business and you can monetize it, then you're waking up in life by design. You're not waking up to go to work. You're doing what you want to do. So I hope all of you out there have that, like you with your podcasts and stuff. It's a great feeling to be doing what you love to do. Like, And I'm blessed that I'm able to do that myself. But you have to go for it. Don't wait for things to happen. Make them happen, folks. It's up to you. Absolutely. That's great stuff, man. And like I said, can't thank you and Kristen enough. Thank you. And uh, we'll be looking forward to the products coming out, man. So ladies and gentlemen, Mr. Bruce Buffer, thank you. I, I appreciate it, Justin. You take care of my friend. And thanks to you too. It's people like you that keep our sport strong and keep it going. We're all one big team here and USC fans, MMA fans are the greatest sports fans in the world. And um, you support that. And I thank you. I'm honored to be on your show. Thank you very much. Yes, sir. Absolutely. Okay.